Good morning, Moore Tribe. Welcome to our version of Church Online. We hope to bring a piece of our home and authentic atmosphere to wherever you are right now. If you have never been to Moore, we invite you to come through our doors and be greeted with love and kindness no matter who you are. To see what we're all about, you can visit our Facebook page or go to our website at ilovemore.org. You can also use the website to give online. We appreciate all your support, and we pray the presence of God would fill your home right now. Good morning, church. So glad you could join us this morning again. Uh, we welcome you to more, and we ask that the Lord would bless you in this word today. Um, before we get started in the word, I have uh, an, uh, an announcement about the offering. It's First Fruits Sunday, and we are taking First Fruits for a garage for our van, and that does not sound like the most exciting first fruits that we've ever done. I know that, but we have had some bids on this garage, and it's around fifteen, no more than twenty thousand dollars. But we think we can get it built for fifteen thousand dollars, and it will take care of housing, our equipment uh, that we have here at the church, and the van. And so we're asking that you give to that, so that we won't have to borrow any money to get that built at all. Um, I'm starting a new series today. It's called What's Next. And the What's Next series is all about coming back into church, coming back into the fellowship, and what's next. Um, we've come out of this really unusual time with COVID and the quarantine and everything, and uh, so I think it's a good question, you know, what's, what's next on the list? And today we're going to talk about learning to live with risk, learning to live with risk. But before we do that, let's uh, pray and ask God to bless the reading and the teaching of his word. God, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that your word is authoritative. I thank you that your word has the power to change any life. I thank you, God, that you, through your spirit, take your word and plant it into the hearts of all kinds of people that are hearing this today, and you can accomplish something in their life that they couldn't accomplish on their own. I thank you, God, for the healings that come forth from just the teaching and the reading of your word. I thank you, God, for the lives that have been transformed, for people that are set free from addiction because the power of your word. It says that your word, God, is like a hammer that breaks the yoke on so many people. So, God, as we, as we read your word this morning and we listen to your word, we ask that it would accomplish what's in your heart for it to do, God. Let, let this be a supernatural moment in the hearts of so many people, in the lives of so many people. Thank you, God, and thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And they started tracking lightning strikes that killed people back in 1959. And just in a, a matter of 50-something 50, 50 years, it had killed nearly 3,700 people in our country. Lightning. So the odds, if you live a normal length of lifetime, you, your odds of being struck by lightning are 1 in 3,000. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's more than I thought. That's, that's more likely to happen than I thought. It makes me think about risk. I mean, every day we live with risk. Every time we get in our car to drive, every time we fly on an airplane, sometimes when we're walking down a flight of stairs, even walking down the street, tragedy can strike. All these things involve some sort of risk. Even going camping with your family involves a risk. You know, not to mention things that we do all the time that involve risk, like trusting a friend with our secrets, you know, 
Falling in love, getting married involves risk. Having children involves risk. I define risk this way. I believe a risk is a situation that exposes you to the possibility of something bad happening. That's what a risk is. I mean, think about it. If you never fall in love, you're never going to be betrayed. If you never reach out to have friends or relationships, you're never going to experience rejection. And if you never have children or you never fall in love, you're probably never going to be heartbroken. Life is really risky business. It really is. It involves risk, everything we do, all day long. And there's lots of things we do to manage the risk in our life. You know, we wear seatbelts and, and we wear sunscreen and, you know, we stay six feet away from other people. We do these things to manage risk. But, you know, sometimes no matter what we do, some planes crash. Some cars cross over the center line and hit other cars. Sometimes we get food poisoning. Bad things happen. It's called risk. It's putting ourselves in situations where something could possibly go wrong. It's just a risk. And no matter what we do, no matter how we live our life, we're going to face risk. You know, a life that didn't have any relationships or a life that didn't have any adventure or any excitement, I guess that would be a, a life that would be reduced, the risk and, and, you know, the fact that something bad happening. But if you had no relationships and no adventure and no excitement, you would be living one of the saddest lives that there is, one of the most boring lives there is. I mean, I would love for our world to not have risk. You would too, but it's just not even possible. So here's the bottom line. We must decide that living with risk is part of life, and we have to decide how we learn to do it. Alfred Lord Tennyson said this. He said, it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. What was he saying? He's saying life is better when we accept the risk at hand and we just choose to live. That's what he's saying. He's saying it's better to have loved and had your heart broken or to be betrayed than it would be to have never experienced that feeling of being in love at all. So as we re-enter this COVID, re-enter the world from this COVID quarantine, we re-enter the world where we haven't been having church and now we're coming back into church, we enter into this world full of risk. And COVID, it's a real risk. I mean, it's, it's, it's real. It's taken 4,876 deaths. 4,876 people have died in Texas just when I, at the time of my writing this sermon. 4,876 Texans. So it's a real threat. And coming back into the world, you know, that COVID, it just doesn't seem to be going away. But here's the point I want to make. I went to the Texas Health and Human Services page and I looked at some statistics, and I found out that from September last year to date, this year, there's been 9,329 influenza deaths in Texas. That's remarkable. I didn't even know that, and you didn't either, because it's not been on your TV screen. It's not been blaring all the time. And the point I make is not to reduce, you know, not to downplay COVID, because I believe COVID's a real risk. I introduced this fact because it just shows us that we've always lived in risk. We just didn't know it. I think one of the things that makes people afraid, makes people afraid of stepping out into adventure or into, uh, you know, into relationships, is that they become aware that they could become 
hurt or they could become a victim. And it causes them to shrink back. And I think that's what's happened in this COVID deal. It's like we've treated the COVID epidemic or pandemic like something uh, that's worse than anything that's hit us. And the truth is we live with risks that are equal to or maybe even greater than every day. You know, we just have to weigh those risks and decide for ourselves what risk we're willing to take because there's no 100% guarantees of safety in life. I mean, even Jesus, talking about life of risk, he was speaking to people that were going to become Christians, and he told them straight up front. He said, if you become my follower, there's a risk of persecution, there's a risk of rejection, there's a risk of ridicule, maybe sometimes from your own friends and family, and for some, there's a risk of even being martyred, put to death. And we know that's been true all through the ages, and you probably know it to be true even in your own life. In fact, Jesus in, in, four, in Luke 14, 27 through 33, he says over and over for us to count the cost before deciding to follow. What he was saying is evaluate the risk involved whenever you become a follower of mine, a follower of Jesus, that there's risk involved and count that cost before you jump off and become a Jesus follower. He even says in more places than just one, what he says here in Matthew 16. He says that whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. It's just a part of the life that Jesus calls us into. It's part of the life of being a Christian. We begin to step into a zone where we actually know that we're going to have to pick up our cross and die daily so we can follow the Lord into the things that he's called us to do. He said that there's risk involved, even being a Christian. So here's the fact. You can't control your environment enough to eliminate risk. No way, no how. And many risks are beyond your control. And some situations in life can't be controlled. And I, I really, I don't like it, and you don't either. We want to be in complete control of our life, but, you know, that's just the way it is. We're not. You know, I don't like flying in airplanes. I really don't. I don't like the fact that you have to hurry up and get to the airport just to sit there and wait, and many times the flight's late. I, I don't like that. I don't like getting in those little bitty seats and not having any room. But the thing that I really hate about flying is I hate turbulence. I just hate turbulence. You know, the bottom line is I know the plane's not going to fall apart, and very few planes crash because of turbul tur turbulence. I know that. But the bottom line is I want to be in control, and I'm not. And so when the turbulence starts and I'm not in control, it makes me feel uneasy. You know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the pilot's drunk. I don't know if he's a, you know, if the plane's been hijacked. I don't know what's going on, and that makes me really uncomfortable. But I sit down in that seat, and I, and I, and I experience these things, and I know the risk, and sometimes I still get afraid. That's how we are as humans. We're evaluating risk, and we put ourselves in situations where something could happen, and then we just have to sit back and trust the Lord. We have to find that place where we're not afraid. You know, I don't stop flying in airplanes because of this. I enjoy the benefits of air travel. You know, Wendy and I go to Marco Island every year, and it's in Florida, and it's, a, it's a, about a three, three-and-a-half-hour trip from Amarillo to get to Florida. I would, I would much rather go three-and-a-half hours in an airplane, regardless of the risk, than to drive to Florida, which I've done, and it's three days long. I enjoy the benefits. So what I do is I weigh those risks 
and I decided that I need to live my life and I just need to deal with these risks, deal with sometimes the fear. Oh, some people would say, oh, you can just look at the pictures of Marco Island online and you can experience it online, and I'll just tell you this, it's not the same. And I'm going to say the same thing about church. Some of you can decide, I just want to stay home and I don't want to get in the congregation and it's not worth the risk, but I'll tell you this, church is not the same if you're sitting at home watching it on TV. Any different, it, it's not any different than trying to take your vacation by looking at pictures on the Internet. We just have to assume the risk and we have to find the courage and the faith to re-enter into life. So how do we do that? How do we re-enter into this world? How do we re-emerge after being uh, just inundated with things that have made us afraid by you know, being six feet from people and not touching people and doing all these things? And we all have heard that enough to where it does begin to instill a little bit of uh, fear in the hearts of a lot of people. So what do we do? to come back into church. And I just want to share three things that I personally do to manage risk in my life as a believer. And it doesn't matter whether Jesus is asking me to do something like give away a large sum of money. I know there's a risk involved in that, but he said, if I'm not willing to lose my life, I won't find a life. And so there's times he asked me to do things that involve risk. And I have to decide if I'm going to be obedient or not. And I want to tell you that there's ways of managing risk but they all have to do with the Lord and they all have to do with believing God's word and what God's word says to each one of us. So the first thing I'm going to tell you that I do and I'm just encouraging you to do as you step back into life and you're managing the risk in your life, I'm going to tell you to choose to live by faith. You know, Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us the definition of faith and you know it. It's the confidence in what we hope for and it's the assurance about what we do not see. So faith is invisible. It's a confidence. It's an assurance. But it's something that we consciously claim and hang on to in those times that we feel a little bit afraid because of the risk that's around us. Every time I feel fear coming up inside of me because of what bad thing could happen, I make a conscious choice to believe in what I hope for. You see, I don't think there's any situation that we go into even flying in an airplane, I hope to land where I'm going. I hope that everything works out. And God says that we're to find out what we hope for, the good thing that we hope for, and that's what we have to have confidence in in believing is going to happen. What is that good thing that you hope for? Well, God said faith is knowing what that is and having confidence that that's going to happen. And it's something we consciously do. You know, whenever you feel that fear rising up inside of you, you also need to find assurance of the things you can't control. He says, you know, faith, the other side of faith is not just confidence in what we hope for. It's the assurance in the things that we do not see. That means the things you can't control. You can't control what you can't see. It's like me sitting in that airplane seat and turbulence is going on and I don't know what's going on in the cockpit and I can't see it, but I have to find assurance that it's going to happen for my good, it's going to happen for what I hope for, and that's how I find faith. It's something I consciously do. I choose to live by faith. The word goes on and says in that same chapter, it says this about faith. It says, without faith, no one can please God. That's a huge statement. Without faith, no one can please God. If we do not choose to live in faith, we're not pleasing to God. 
We must continue to have confidence for the things we hope for. We must continue to have assurance for the things that we don't see or we can't control. Or we're not pleasing to God. doesn't matter what we do or don't do. Faith is the key. And then he goes on and he says, because we must believe God is real. And that he rewards those that seek him, that diligently seek him, or that search for him. That's what God does. It's a choice. And he says that there's a reward for that choice. And I'll tell you what that reward is in my own life. It is that when I choose to live by faith, when I choose to bring my fears under the submission of my own faith, God meets me on that road every time, and he gives me a supernatural outpouring of faith so that I can actually find peace in the midst of any situation I'm in. So number one thing we do, we choose to live by faith. The number two thing that I do and that I'm encouraging you to do is I encourage you to trust God for supernatural protection. Trust God for supernatural protection. Don't think about everyone else out there. Just think about yourself for that moment. I'm not asking you to be selfish, but I am asking you to bring this relationship with you and God to a very personal level and say, God, I'm trusting you for supernatural protection. Now, how can I hang on to that and be so sure? Because 40-something years ago, when I first became a Christian, God began to deal with me. Because I, I had this unhealthy uh, fear inside of me about a lot of things in life. I just had a ton of fear. And when I first came to know the Lord, he, he made it very clear to me that I could trust him for supernatural protection. And he used verses like this one in Psalm 139, 16 through 17. He said, you saw me when I was still an unborn child. Every day of my life was recorded in your book before one of them had taken place. How precious are your thoughts concerning me, O God. When I read something like that, I, I can't help but think, God had all my days preordained. God knows how many days I have to live. And if he's called me to a task, then I should trust God for supernatural provision to see me through until that task is completed. Now, we have free will. And we can disrupt our life. We can destroy our life. Bad choices, a lot of bad things people step into, it can actually bring destruction into their life. But I'm telling you that if you're trying to live in faith and you're trying to live for the Lord, and you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to do it perfect. But the deal is, God said we can trust him for supernatural protection because he wants us to accomplish the purpose of our life. There's a verse in Psalm 20. It won't come up on your screen, but Psalm 20, it says, May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill your purpose. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and may you fulfill your purpose. You see, they're tied together. Our heart's desire is not to have a bad thing happen to us. It's not to come into a place where something terrible happens. Our heart's desire is to live out all of our days, to accomplish our purpose, and to live according to what God created us to do. He said that's our heart's desire, and it is tied to fulfilling your purpose. God will fulfill your purpose if you're trusting him, because he wants you to get where you're supposed to be going. In Psalm 102, verse 24, David wrote this. You know, David had done a lot of bad things, and he, he was afraid that God might end his life. He had committed murder, and he committed adultery, and he'd done a lot of terrible things. And he wrote this. He said, so David said to the Lord, don't take 
me away, my God, in the midst of my days. That, that short verse right there just tells me so much. It's like David knew that he had a supernatural call in his life, that he had a creative purpose in his life. He knew it was in the middle of his life when he had done this with Bathsheba and with Uriah. And he knew that what he had done was so terrible that God had every right to end his life. And he said, but Lord, I'm in the middle of my days. And I know what I've done is not right, and I'm just begging you, God, don't take away my life in the middle of my days. You see, he knew he was in the middle of his days. He knew that he hadn't accomplished everything God had set him on this earth to do. And God will sustain us. He will sustain you for as long as he's determined for you to live. I hope for myself that my life ends well. I hope for myself that I can live out every day appointed to me. I hope that I can accomplish all my created purpose. And I hope that same thing for every one of you. That's the second thing we do. First thing, we choose to live by faith. Second thing, we trust God for supernatural provision. I mean, protection. And number three, you have faith to fulfill your prophetic destiny. Now, this seems similar to number two, but it's actually a little bit different. In Proverbs, we know that in Proverbs 29, 18, we know this verse. It says that without prophetic vision, people perish. Prophetic vision. It's something that God speaks to us about our life, sometimes through another person, sometimes through his word. Sometimes we, we uh, just hear it from the spirit of God. And he said, if people don't have that prophetic vision, they really don't have anything to hang on to. And they actually end up just wasting their life away or end up perishing. I have to have, choose to have faith for what God has shown me about my family, about my life, about my ministry. I feel like God has spoken to me how many years I will live, how many years I will minister. And I consistently make a conscious choice to believe what I feel God's put in my heart. That may sound unusual to you, but I know it's not because many, many people in the Bible, in fact, nearly all of them that were uh, any, anyone that was noteworthy in the Bible, they all knew when their time was done. They all knew how many days they would live. They all knew when their life was over. It wasn't any big surprise to them. And I think that's the way it is when we're walking out our prophetic destiny, when we're trusting God for that supernatural protection and provision, when our day comes, it's not a surprise. I look at what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 4, 7. Paul wrote, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I have kept the faith. I mean, Paul knew, and Paul was martyred. But Paul knew that his life was coming to a close. Why did he know? He said, I've finished the race, I've fought the good fight, and I have kept the faith. He had done what God had created him to do, and even though his life was cut short by martyrdom, he knew it, and he knew it was coming. It was something that he knew was God's will for his life. He wasn't like David that said, don't take me in the middle of my days. David knew his wasn't over. But now we're hearing Paul, he's saying, I've finished my race. You know, that's the way that we're to live in our prophetic destiny. God will speak to us, each one of us, about what we're put here on, uh, on earth to do. He'll speak to us and he'll tell us the things that we need to hang on to. We'll know, we'll, there won't be any big surprise when our life, we know when our life is fulfilled we'll know when our life is ending we'll know 
because God will speak it to each one of us. I just want you to hang on to those things. I want you to understand that we will never live in a world that is risk-free. That any time you come to church, there's going to be a risk, whether it's driving here or sitting by somebody that could be sick. There's just risk involved, and we have to just choose to live by faith, and we have to trust God for his supernatural protection, and we have to know that we have a prophetic destiny, and nothing's going to take us out of this world until that prophetic destiny is fulfilled. Yeah, the world can be a scary place. It was scary when Jesus was here, and he warned us of risk all over the place. But he also said this in John 14, 27. He said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I don't give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He spoke that because he knew the tendencies we would have as human beings living in this risky world, that we would have a tendency to be afraid and we'd have a tendency to be at disease and we'd have a tendency to not have peace. And he said he offers all that peace and it's based upon the promises of his word and this is the only place that we can find any kind of refuge, any kind of peace, any kind of assurances about what our life will be like. And so I encourage you, if you don't know the Lord personally, if you don't have a prophetic destiny spoken over your life, I encourage you to get into a church where you can get to know people that can speak into your life. Get to know the Lord. Trust Him with your life. Get to know His Word and find out His precious promises that He has for you over your life. He doesn't want us just to be out in the world and to be afraid of every little thing that could happen. He really wants us to live with full assurance and confidence in everything that He's promised us. And so join me, if you would, for prayer. I'm going to pray for you this morning that you could find this peace in the midst of this storm that we live in at this present time. So, Father, I just pray for all those that are watching this this morning. And I pray, God, right now in the name of Jesus, that they would know their prophetic destiny and that they would claim that, God, in faith, that they would, they would have confidence in what they hope for and they would have assurance even though they're not seeing it right now. And I pray, God, that they would trust you for supernatural protection and that they wouldn't try to live a life where they're hidden away and avoiding every adventure, every relationship. They're, they're avoiding people. They're avoiding being hurt. And, and God, I just pray for them right now that they could find some faith for life and that they could really find a place where they could enjoy their life and they could find peace in the midst of any risk that's out there. We love you, God. We thank you that we have these precious assurances. We thank you, God, that you're real and that we really can hang on to you. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you that you're going to see us through no matter what. And we pray that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. We love you. We'll see you soon. When nobody else is, God, when, we're, when we do feel alone, God, you are there with us and we are not alone. And we just love you so much. And thank you for being with us right here right now, wherever we are, wherever our hearts are, wherever our minds are, however our week has been, God, you're here. And we just love you and we just bring you this offering of praise and thanksgiving. Thank you for your love. Amen.
Let us experience the glory. 